Welcome to the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. My name is Ryan King, Head of Business Development at Dust Network, and every episode I'll dive into a specific part of finance. We aim to do this in a maximum of 25 minutes. And in this episode, I'll be discussing the first zero-knowledge base camp, and I'll be discussing this with Elliot Lamer from Outlier Ventures. Welcome, Elliot. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. A little bit about myself. I'm the program manager for the Zero Knowledge Basecamp, which is our thematic program focused on teams leveraging zero knowledge proofs. And uh, I've got a background in traditional finance, and I've been in the crypto Web3 space since 2017, both on the advisory side and also on the builder side. Really excited to be here. Wonderful. We're really excited to have you on. Um, so we'll be doing a lot of talking today about zero knowledge. Obviously, this is um, whatever's going on in the industry at the moment, whatever it is we're reading in the headlines. I think it's very clear that one of the big trends this year is going to be zero knowledge, maybe the biggest trend. We were at uh, ETH Bogota back at the end of last year. We heard everybody, Vitalik, all the people talking about it. It's definitely what people are talking about at the moment, which is why it's so exciting to have you on and talk about the ZK uh, base camp. A very big part of this technology is obviously to educate people on what it is and to help companies to grow in this space with their tools. Um, before we go too deep into that, I'd just like to ask you in general uh, about the last year and your experience of that in blockchain. Um, I feel like every week I begin a sentence by saying something like, well, it's been quite a year in blockchain. And like, you know, this abnormal is the new normal in our industry. But how has your experience been over the over the past year in the industry? The past year, well, def- as you said, it's definitely been interesting. I think that we are in a quite unique position at Outlier Ventures because we work with really early stage founders. And so the builders and the, the quality of the builders that we've seen over the past year has has not decreased. If anything, it's increased the quality of the teams and the people that we see coming through the programs, the different programs that we have. Uh, our application pipeline, I think, is as healthy as ever. And so despite a lot of noise, a lot of volatility, and um, you know some bad actors that have taken up the headlines, what we're seeing on the ground is actually really exciting and motivating for me as a, as a participant in, in this industry. To see that there are there are still many talented individuals that are choosing to take the leap, moving over from traditional tech jobs, uh, and are seeing the opportunities that Web three offers, and uh, taking on taking on the challenge and taking on that risk of uh, going out as a founder and trying to build something new. That's a great point. That leads, uh, I suppose, into something that I wanted to ask you about, which is that you have pivoted your own career towards blockchain and Web3 space. How did you initially get interested and involved in these technologies? What what made you pivot like that? Um, So as I said before, I've got a background in traditional finance. I used to work in private equity uh, in the US doing a lot of real estate deals. Um, And I've always been fascinated with tech as a whole, uh, as sort of a medium to democratize access to a lot of uh, different parts of the world, different um, different assets, education, and um, 
after a couple of years working in, in traditional finance, I realized you know, it wasn't really for me, um, just the, the structure, the rigidity. And uh, I took some time off. And during that time, I you know, stumbled upon uh, the wonderful and weird world of blockchain. Uh, at the time, it was in 2017, a lot of ICOs, uh, a lot of grandiose ideas, but not really well refined just yet. Uh, I think that um, there was still a lot of doubt as to, you know, what if there was anything to Ethereum beyond just a, a glorified illegal fundraising mechanism. Uh, but I got really excited about blockchain then, especially because of this idea of democratizing access to um, to to fi finance. For me, you know, I, with the background that I have, I realize how complex and how difficult it can be to access. Even if you understand the world of finance, it can be really hard to access opportunities at the level playing field with other bigger actors. You know, the idea of accredited investors. There's a lot of regulation that's meant to protect. Um, protect consumers, but that in the end make it really hard for people to get access to those kinds of opportunities. And so that's that's how I first got into the space. And what really excites me still today is this idea that uh, it's really broadening access for a lot of people to a, a huge variety of services, not just financial anymore, but uh, also on the creative side. And um, I think yeah, that's pretty pretty amazing. Indeed, yeah, broadening access, great, uh, great way to put it. Um, let's talk about zero knowledge proofs uh, specifically. So, how do you see zk proofs feeding into this idea of broadening access, and what kinds of opportunities do you see there? Yeah, I think that, as you said in the intro, zero knowledge proofs are sort of a hot topic. Uh, people are sprinkling it, sprinkling it onto almost anything similar to AI. Um, so. Uh, I think the re there is a reason behind that, right? The, I think it it has a lot of potential applications, and I think that's what's really exciting is that it just broadens the scope of the applications of blockchain, both in terms of scalability. So I think that's where a lot of focus is at the moment is how do we scale Ethereum? How do we scale blockchain and sort of break out of that uh, scalability trilemma? while retaining security and decentralization and being able to um, have applications that are more computationally intensive. And I think that that's, that is definitely part of, you know, bringing on the next billion users into Web3 is going to be, is going to, is giving blockchain the ability to take on you know, more transactions and make that experience more seamless for users. And I think that that's a really obvious uh, benefit. And I think that most people today would agree that uh, the user experience still is um, does not match match up with, with Web2 for the majority of Web3 applications. And so by scaling blockchains, you can start to abstract away some of those complexities um, that users might be facing today. The other piece that I think is really cool and probably underestimated about with how much can be done from from um, from it is the zero knowledge piece of zero knowledge proofs. So rather than just using it to offload computation from the chain uh, and then you know bringing a proof to to the network, um, zero knowledge proof can also be used to keep proof information about um, 
prove something about a certain piece of information without really revealing all of the underlying data. And the implications of having this type of privacy are, I think, enormous in terms of how the web can be designed. Um, I think, you know, it, it wasn't really thought thought about much when the internet started out, when uh, social media came along, but how do we think about privacy? But more and more now we're, we're seeing both on the, on the regulatory side, but also on the user side, this sort of need and want to have some control over the data because we see how, how much power that data has and the, the actors that have access to the most data then have some form of um, control or potential influence over the individuals. Right. And so with zero knowledge proofs, you can envision a world where uh, you can still access services, you can prove things about yourself, and you can get that same experience uh, that you have today in the web, but you have a level of control as an individual over what information you share and with whom. So that's uh, like the two pieces that I think are really, really exciting about zero notch proofs, about sort of broadening the access to um, the world of Web3 in general. Indeed, I think that's an, that's an excellent point. Um, I really enjoy listening to Tim Berners-Lee when he talks about, of course, the creator of the web. And one of the things that he said repeatedly time and time again is one of his biggest regrets was not including uh, some sort of identity layer into the internet when he set out creating the base protocols that we built the entire internet on top of, that there wasn't a thought process of how do we prove identity early on. And I know I remember years ago, maybe when I first started to get involved in technology, it looked as if Facebook was going to step in and do that with the whole sign in with Facebook thing and then adding a real ID on the end of it. And I think people like myself were horrified by this idea that this was going to be the solution to it. So it's uh, it's really amazing to see that there's there's now solutions uh, starting to appear for this. And I think your point of broadening the access is very good. We have people in parts of the world, don't we, who have, have difficulty sometimes proving their identity on a consistent basis just because of the way that those those nations, those countries, those systems work. And then we get a whole bunch of people who just, quite frankly, don't want to constantly send copies of their passport all the time, knowing that it's sitting on some hard drive somewhere. It's maybe being printed out on accident somewhere. And uh, those people, if they choose to continue to be concerned about their privacy under the current system, will sort of indirectly be shut out from these opportunities one day that we get from Web3. Let's talk a little bit more about yourself specifically. So you joined Outlier Ventures, if I'm um, seeing this correctly, about a year ago. Um, can you explain for everybody exactly what it is that you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, maybe like a little bit of background about Outlier Ventures. So um, Outlier Ventures is um, an accelerator focused solely on Web3. I believe we're the leading accelerator in terms of investments uh, into Web3 by volume. So we invest in the most teams. I think we've got north of 200 portfolio companies at this point. Um, and the way we run our accelerator programs is uh, 12 weeks. And those are typically done on either a thematic basis or an ecosystem specific basis. So we run programs. Um, with Filecoin, IPFS, uh, we've also got a program with Polygon, uh, Polkadot, so, and uh, we've recently announced one with Aptos as well, 
Um, the programs are fully remote, uh, except for the Aptos one uh, that will be in person. And uh, what the way the way that we run these programs, which I think differentiates a little bit from other accelerators, is that we have a lot of in-house subject matter experts that help the teams on various aspects of their business. So we have a legal team, a product and engineering team, marketing team, et cetera, et cetera, that covers all the basis of uh, what an early stage startup needs to have. And then uh, we have an internal team, which is the Basecamp team uh, that leads the program. So as a program manager myself, I uh, ensure the coordination uh, between the participants in the program, as well as uh, our subject matter experts. I go out and recruit mentors uh, that support us on the program, uh, like Emmanuel from Dust Network. He's one of the mentors for the ZK Basecamp. So um, my job is... Uh, there's a lot of coordination and then there's strategic advice, right? So uh, I've got experience both more on the traditional finance side, but also on, in the startup side. I've been working with uh, startups for five years now. So I I can give specific advice uh, on to strategic advice to these companies. And then um, when we get to maybe technical areas or areas where we need more expertise, like our, I'll bring in our uh, token economies experts, and then we'll work on specifically a token design for a team, or I'll bring in our uh, product and engineering team, and we'll build out a tech technical roadmap and target architecture for our projects together. So um, yeah, a lot of coordination, a lot of networking introductions uh, for our teams, opening doors and uh, helping them with strategic advice. Okay, thank you very much. Very clear. So this leads to a sort of an obvious and maybe a slightly personally connected question. So I think as listeners of the podcast know, I have a background myself in running accelerator programs as program manager, program director, and various other uh, roles within accelerators. And I have to say that I have spent a significant amount of my life explaining to people what an accelerator is, uh, especially anybody outside of the startup space. Uh, that's the first question I get. What exactly is it? What, what does it work? How is it different from just an investment? That kind of thing. So maybe we can just go back to basics for anybody listening who's not familiar with the model. How would you explain an accelerator to someone not familiar with what it is? Um, and if I was an applicant looking to join one of the Outlier Ventures programs, what would I expect to, to receive? Why should I participate in such a program? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and uh, similar to you, I face it often. Maybe from people who are not so familiar with uh, the space, and even more so when I say that it's a startup accelerator working with blockchain companies, I think that that's like uh, Pandora's box. But um, in simple terms, the way the way I like to describe it is is an accelerator it invests a lot more than capital. Right. There's a lot of human resources that go into uh, the support that we give teams. So um, the idea here and why someone would want to join an accelerator is I think it's in, it's in the name, right? It will accelerate your business. Um, typically, the typical founders that we see coming through the accelerator, they've got great ideas, really great technical skills or and commercial skills. They've got a team behind them, but they are still trying to break through 
either to find product market fit or to continue to grow their business. And often that can be difficult to do in the resource constrained nature of startups, right? You only have so many hours in the day and so many team members, and you can only focus your attention on specific areas. The beauty of an accelerator is that for a limited time, you get access to a much wider team, right? At Adlai Ventures, we have a hundred, a hundred people on the team that are dedicated to helping these founders with founder first mentality. That's one of our core values is how do we support these founders in the best way possible? And the ability for a founder to turn to a token design expert that spend his whole day thinking about designing token economies so that when you do launch your token, it doesn't go in a straight line down and people don't just dump it uh, is really valuable and allows you to make quick progress in your business and iterate a lot faster. So um, the combination of like human resources and then all the frameworks that we've developed over time that help teams sort of uh, move through the necessary steps to build a successful business. I think uh, those are the main things that I would look for uh, as a founder looking for an accelerator. And then lastly, um, I think something unique about Outlier Ventures is obviously the fact that we've, we are Web3 native and we have so many companies within our portfolio at this point. It's an ecosystem, right? You're, you're gaining access to an ecosystem. The number of partnerships, collaborations that we see between our portfolio companies is growing exponentially the more teams we bring on. Um, we've got, I think, 40 teams going through the cohorts this quarter. And that sort of network effects uh, really has a big, uh, a big impact on teams' ability to um, broaden their market really early on. Indeed, indeed. That's a very good explanation. So if you're going there, you join an accelerator, obviously there's money involved, which is fantastic. But if you're looking beyond that to the help and the assistance and the network, one thing you don't want to have to do is to go to a perfectly good accelerator, but spend a lot of time explaining to them even what is Web3, what kind of connections we need, and for them to have to go out and find the connections. So without Liar, you've already got this stuff ready to go, right? It's just pick up what resources you need and, 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 and build away. Exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think that uh, the combination of internal resources and then our external network you know, I think our network of mentors at this point numbers in three or four hundred uh, mentors that are web also Web three native, and you know, and and Web three is a very small space at the end of the day. So very quickly you can get connected to the right people, and um, it just takes you know one interaction with the right person, and it can change the course of your business. Indeed, indeed. Thank you. Very clear. Okay, so Elliot, it's that time of the podcast again let me ask you what is an unpopular opinion that you have about the current web3 space i would say that uh, the metaverse is not dying uh, i've seen quite a bit uh, recently around the news of you know meta removing nfts from their platforms uh, instagram as well so uh, i've seen quite a few people saying that uh, the metaverse is dying and i think that um it's not. I think that it's going stronger than ever, and we believe very strongly in the open metaverse at Outlier Ventures. 
Great, great unpopular opinion. Okay, so ignore what you're reading in the news. Elliot says the metaverse is is around, it's thriving, and it's going to be here for some time. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, Ellie, you've explained to us about what an accelerator program is, and we've talked a little bit about ZK. So let's think about it from the other perspective. What are you looking for when somebody applies to join a cohort? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and. Um, I think that a lot of people think, overthink it, right? Uh, they think that they need to have a lot of things in place in order to apply for the accelerator. We take a look at all the applications we come, we get through. And some of the things that we, that we look for is a founder with a good idea. That's the first thing. Um, but also with the skills and ability to execute on that idea. So, you know, with my background in, blockchain and traditional finance, if I was to apply to an accelerator to build something in AI, you know, even if I have a great idea, my ability to execute will be pretty low. Um, so being, we're, we'll often look, um, we'll look at the founder's ability to execute. And um, we'll also look at any sort of uh, traction or any sort of uh, product that's already been built. Even if it's very bare bone. It's a first idea. The fact that there is something that's been built already, uh, we like to see that. Uh, it shows that there's been thought put into it. Um, and then commitment as well. Uh, often some of the teams that we see, they're not fully committed. They've got one founder that's in and then a co-founder that's uh, sells got has a full-time job. And so even if we really like the idea, we will often make our offer uh, contingent on both co-founders going on full time. So, uh, yeah, I think that um, the founders, the team is probably the biggest, the biggest thing that we look at. Ability to execute knowledge and expertise within the space. And then um, what we really like also is, is a team, right? Uh, if we can see like uh, someone who's got strong technical background and that can actually build and then someone that has maybe more of a commercial background that understands uh, the space uh, from a business side, the space that they're involving in, and that has network connections. Uh, that's generally a really powerful combo that uh, we see a lot of teams succeed uh, succeed with. Indeed, indeed. If you have a strong team, then you can handle anything that's sort of thrown at you. And as a startup, you are going to be thrown a lot of stuff, right, that you have to deal with. So very Absolutely. reasonable thing to look out for. Absolutely. And especially in the context, sorry, especially in the context of an accelerator, I think uh, we work really fast, right? We throw a lot of things at you. It's called uh, just the first two weeks are called mental madness. I think it's it's just 12 weeks of very intense work. And and typically, um, if, if you don't have the capacity to handle that during that time, it, it can be difficult to get the most value out of a program. Yeah, indeed. Very well said. I'm having now flashbacks of when I myself was in an accelerator, when I was on the other side of the table. And uh, yes, it was, I think I described it as going back to college in terms of what I learned, but also was just exhausting. As you said, it was just so much work and it does take a certain kind of person to be able to deal with that. So very logical. 
to, to really focus on that. Let's talk about the base camp itself, a ZK base camp, because as you said, Outlier Ventures has a, a couple of different programs, a couple of different base camps. What was the motivation behind launching one specifically for ZK? Yeah, so ZK, as you said and alluded to earlier, has has great potential, and we've we've been following developments in ZK for a while. The reason we decided to, you know, the decision was made sometime middle of last year to launch the ZK Accelerator and was mainly driven by the fact that we felt recent advancements in the technology were making it very ripe for a lot of builders and developers to start to leverage it. So a lot of the big, um, of the big layer twos was are starting to reach uh, mainnet stage. We're seeing quite a bit of uh, ZK tooling being developed, making it easier and more accessible for developers to build that. And so we thought it would be the perfect time to start supporting founders within the space to um, to build using zero notch proofs. And that's part of why we decided to to launch the accelerator at that time. Okay, very clear, very clear. Um, let's talk a little bit about, as you said, evolutions in the technology and recent advancements. What do you see in terms of future developments, future evolution for ZK, uh, both in terms of the businesses building and the customers using it? What sort of stuff do you see on the horizon? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, I think that the main types of the, the main I would say buckets that we had when thinking about the types of businesses we would see built with ZK. Um, there, there's three of them. The first one being on the infrastructure side. So as we said, it's still pretty early, early stage. It's not very easy for developers to leverage zero knowledge proofs. You know, it takes a very specific skill set to um, to write ZK circuits. So uh, we see a lot of room for uh, tooling that makes it easier and more accessible uh, for other developers. So middleware APIs and SDKs that really help uh, people leverage the power of zero knowledge. Um, and also on the hardware side, um, you know, hardware uh, that helps generate those proofs uh, in a more efficient manner because generating CK proofs is still quite computationally intensive. Then the second piece, the second bucket is any application that really benefits from scaling. So earlier we were talking about how uh, a lot of blockchain applications were not possible before simply because of the scaling limitations of blockchain networks. And so with the advancements in zero knowledge proofs uh, and the development of many rollups, we're seeing more and more use cases that are becoming possible. Uh, I think the most obvious one is probably gaming. So uh, games, you know, the on-chain gaming requires a lot of transactions. Um, and if you want to have a good user experience, you can't have so many um, sort of latency uh, every time you want to take an action. But we're also seeing a lot of potential in DeFi applications uh, that benefit from low latency. So like uh, options and derivatives trading where uh, people care a lot more about that, that lower latency being able to put more orders through um, and so uh, that's those are that's like this the scaling bucket of the types of applications we're seeing coming through and then last but not least is the privacy aspect and that really encompasses everything from identity data ownership but keeping also some business information private and there we're seeing uh, the number of applications 
pretty much infinite because we're seeing real world businesses being able to start leveraging public blockchain networks for their own use cases without having to reveal and put all of their data uh, out for the public to to inspect. Uh, so like there, I think that there is a lot of use cases, both on the identity side, but also linking traditional enterprises and real world to uh, blockchain. Let's talk a little bit about the the program in terms of takeaways. So when you look at what you've been doing um, with with the mentoring, with the support that Outlier Ventures offer to a teams, what are some of the key key takeaways, key things you've noticed while providing that support? That's a good question. Um, I think some easy things that a lot of teams can already implement is uh, starting to build a social media presence. I think that uh, it can over often be underestimated, the power, especially within crypto and blockchain Web3, the power of building a community and getting people excited about your project. Uh, what, one thing that we often tell founders is that building in Web3 is a really quick feedback loop and allows you to iterate quickly on your product. So building that presence and sharing your ideas out into the world, even before there there are a, there's a true product, you can often get a lot of feedback and people are really excited, can get really excited about what you're building. And often that will open doors, that will bring you your first users, um, that might even lead to your, your fundraising, uh, your next round. And so that's, that's something that uh, we try and get our teams to do. And uh, very early on is to start to build that presence and share their thoughts. And then the other one, is maybe on the product side is uh, investing some time in planning. Uh, it can be very easy when you're a small team uh, to just build, 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 but uh, taking a step back and actually putting together a uh, technical roadmap where you think about your user, your user stories, what features do your users care about? And then you break that down into steps makes it much easier to build an MVP your users will actually care about. And then eventually, as you bring on and you grow your engineering team to bring everybody up to speed on, okay, this is where we're at. This is what we're building next. These are the features. And then that promotes uh, conversations between both uh, engineering team, the, the technical team, and then uh, more the commercial business side of the business. Okay. And how do you measure the success of the program for you as Outlier Ventures? So for us, um, the success is really based on uh, how the founders perceive the value they got out of the program. Uh, so we want to make sure that founders get support in the key areas that they joined the program for. So uh, we make sure that uh, we set goals at the beginning of the programs with the founders, and then we make sure that we, we achieve those goals. And then um, I think that for a lot of founders, one of the marks of success at the end of the program will be opening and commencing a fundraising round, uh, either like a pre-seed or a seed, seed stage round. And um, while not technically within the program, we do provide support to our teams you know, uh, throughout, throughout as, as they become part of the Outlier Ventures portfolio, we continue to provide support. And so after the program, I'll be supporting the teams in the ZK Basecamp throughout their fundraising round. And I think that um, the fundraising is obviously like a big uh, validation 
uh, external validation of the success of a, of a team. Very cool and very logical as well. Um, finally, for today, what advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are interested in working with ZK Proofs and what resources do you recommend to them in order to get started? I think there's lots of uh, great resources out there. I think that the best place to start would be uh, join some, get on Twitter and join some communities, start speaking to people. Uh, very quickly, you can find people who are maybe one step ahead or maybe someone that would want to collaborate with you uh, to help you build um, your your idea, get your ideas to come to life. And obviously at Adlai Ventures, we're always always open to hearing people's ideas, people who are keen to build with zero notch proofs. That's why we've built this uh, ZK Accelerator. We'll be opening applications again uh, sometime in the month of May for the next cohort. So we'll be happy to speak with anyone who's interested in building with zero notch proofs. Wonderful. Well, there's your invitation to everybody listening into the podcast. Sometime in May, the next batch will be opening for applications. Okay, so that's the Internet of Assets podcast. We've talked today with Elliot about broadening access, as he phrased it, through ZK, which I think is a great way of talking about it. He's encouraged us to ignore the headlines and to be encouraged about the fact that the metaverse is indeed alive and well. He's outlined to us three very important areas of focus and opportunity for something like ZK Basecamp, which is room for the tooling to help other developers utilize ZKP, anything requiring scaling, and of course, anything in the privacy and identity space for which Elliot thinks the applications are infinite. And to be honest, I tend to agree. He's talked about the importance of understanding that building in the Web3 space is a very quick feedback loop, which is a great way of thinking about it, and also very important to builders in the space is to build a proper technical roadmap and have that outline and how useful that's going to be later on when you're building a business. So thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I had the pleasure to talk to Elliot Lamer from Outlier Ventures about his latest ZK Proof Basecamp. My name's Ryan King, and this was the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on, Ryan.